Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday morning to each of you. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church Online. Let's begin today by praying together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you made us alive because you love us in your grace and your mercy. And not only did you make us alive, but you also raised us up with you and we're seated with you in the heavenly places in Christ. Father, we thank you so much for all your good gifts. We thank you that Jesus Christ, born of a woman, went to the cross, died for our sins, and you raised him from the dead. We also thank you, Father, for the simplicity and grace of salvation, which is a, only a matter of hearing the gospel and believing in your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who died on the cross for us. Today, Father, we also pray for the saints and pray for our congregation Pray for the saints in our country and around the world with a particular prayer this morning, Father, for the saints in Afghanistan under the circumstances. We also pray for our military and for American citizens who still may be trapped in that country. And we ask now, Father, for the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us as we hear your word this morning. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Do want to remind everybody that we are recording, so I would ask that you do um, mute your microphones at this time if you have not already. All righty, uh, announcing today, uh, yesterday um, I checked once again the hospital report that Broward County updates every day, and things are still looking pretty dire as far as COVID-19 here in South Florida, unfortunately. Very few ICU beds, if at all. The uh, the number of cases is still really high here in Broward. So unfortunately, we will, at this time, we are not going to gather in person um, once again, unfortunately, this Thursday or Sunday. We will continue to monitor it. If things change, we will let you know. And of course, we will be on Skype for both Thursday and Sunday as we have been. All right, let's, let's this morning... We continue in the Gospel of John, of course, and this morning we're going to look at a passage that <clears throat> is rather controversial for some, and uh, the title comes out of this passage this morning, and the title is, He Who Eats My Flesh and Drinks My Blood. And of course, we're looking at John chapter 6. Please turn your Bibles now to chapter 6, verse 49, and we will begin today's Sunday message, John chapter 6, 
verse 49, John 6, 49. I'm not going to spend much time at all on the controversy. I will mention it. I will say why it's wrong, and we'll go from there. By the way, next Sunday uh, is the first Sunday of September, and we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper online next Sunday. So please make sure you've got um, the communion elements so that you can participate with us. It's a memorial, memorial to the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, John chapter 6, starting in verse 49, and I will read. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. Jesus is talking to Jews in the synagogue at Capernaum. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. But the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. If you grew up Roman Catholic, as I did, or even if you're just familiar with the Eucharist in the Catholic Church, it probably shouldn't surprise you that Catholics point to this passage this morning that we're reading um, as instituting the sacrament of communion. Now, what's that all about? Well, I'll just briefly, briefly, briefly mention the highlight. Catholic Church teaches that when that priest at that altar consecrates the host and the cup, he says a prayer, but at that moment, the bread and the wine become the actual body and blood of Christ. They're no longer bread and wine. They're the actual body and blood of Christ. And they use this passage to justify that teaching. Let me simply say that that is not at all what this passage is talking about. Not at all. Once we understand what it is talking about, I hope that will be obvious to you. Now, and, and so we're not going to spend a lot of time debating the Catholic belief on this. Rather, we're going to spend our time looking at what the passage really means. And then at that point, I, I hope, and we won't do this today, but if you look back and think about the Catholic teaching, you realize how off base it is. All right, let's get started in the passage itself. Once again, I want you to note, first of all, John 6, 49, the beginning of our, of our passage this morning. 
Again, I want to remind everybody to please mute your microphone because we are recording this today. This passage is set apart by something that's repeated at the beginning and the end. It kind of brackets. Verse 49, and as we shall see, verse 58, they bracket this entire passage, meaning it's, a, it's, an, it's an important passage to see, um, and it's a unit. Look at verse 49. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. All right, so I want you to now look at John chapter 6, verse 58, the end of our, of our portion this morning, at least the end of the, of the discourse of Jesus' teaching. Look at verse 58. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. I hope you can see that these passages are very similar. What it really is, is it's, it's Jesus introducing this subject and then concluding with what he said at the beginning. Again, in verse 49, he talks about the fathers eating and he talks about them dying. He talks about the fact that the bread which comes down out of heaven, you eat it and you won't die. That's verse 49. Look at verse 58 again. We see the same things. Bread which came down out of heaven. Not there's the fathers, not as the fathers ate and died, but he who eats this bread will live forever. I want you to notice one difference. There are several, but one difference in particular. I want to I want you to see, first of all, in verse 50, when he talks, when he talks about the bread, he said it comes down out of heaven. That's when he's introducing the subject. At the end, in verse 58, he says, What? Came down out of heaven. So he's saying. He's saying it comes out of heaven, it came out of heaven. In other words, uh, looking back on it, he uses the past tense. Because the fact of the matter, he's talking about the fact that he was born of a woman and that he's, he remains God, God's son, but then the incarnation, right? The word became flesh. And he's now, well, in this, during his public ministry, of course, he's down out of heaven. And that's, he's presenting himself to them as the man that came down out of heaven. The bread came down out of heaven. I want you to know one another thing this morning. It's really, really important. We'll see why in a minute. That in, in this section, this discourse, it really started in verse 28. But it, it, if you look at passages from verse 30, don't do this now. I'm just going to tell you this. If you look from verse 31 to 58, it turns out that Jesus mentions heaven. And he mentions it nine times between verse 31 and verse 58. In other words, that is a central part of his teaching. He wants them to focus on heaven. He wants them to see things from the heavenly point of view. He wants them to realize that he is the bread that came down out of heaven, that his father in heaven sent him. And so the things that he's going to say is he's going to use uh, earthly pictures, figures of speech to talk about the heavenly and the real true, the ultimate truth. Always when he talks about heaven in this section of, of the gospel from John 6, 31 through 58, it's always in connection with either bread or himself or both. What is he saying? He's saying, I am from heaven. 
Why can't you see this? They see everything from an earthly, worldly point of view. They, they, they see uh, what he's talking about and they, 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 they consider it in terms of uh, the, the literal, physical. Like today, this morning, he's gonna, he talks about his body and blood. And they're going to think about he's talking about literal in terms of how, how, how a natural man would see what he's saying rather than from the heavenly and the spiritual meaning of what he says. I'd like you to turn now to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, starting in verse 11. John chapter 3, verse 11. This work that he does to get people to see things from the heavenly point of view, he does this throughout his public ministry as recorded in the Gospel of John. As a matter of fact, back in chapter 3, he dealt with the same issue with the man Nicodemus, who was a leader of the Jews. Look at John chapter 3, verse 11. John 3, 11. Once again, we see those words, truly, truly, I say to you, he calls upon his authority. He's saying this is, this is something you really need to pay attention this is, this is truth right out of heaven. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. Jesus came from heaven. He's the only one who has. I, we speak of what we know. We testify of what we've seen. He's going to say many times that uh, you have never seen my father. I'm the one who's seen your father. The only one who, who, who goes up to heaven is the one who came down from heaven, Jesus Christ. He says, we know and testify of what we've seen. And you do not accept our testimony. By the way, there's the problem. And we're going to see today, he says exactly the same thing again. We, we testify of what we've seen. You haven't. And yet you don't accept our testimony. And then verse 12, he gets to the heart of the issue. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the son of man. He's always pointing to the heavenly to, to, to realize who he is. They, he wants them to understand, look, I'm God in the flesh. I came from heaven. I came from heaven on a mission. My mission is to save you. My mission is to die for you and to be raised from the dead. In other words, he's saying this. He's saying, I have been sent to you. My father in heaven, where I was with him from the beginning of time. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And yet he sent me from heaven to you. That's what they refuse to believe. But he keeps saying it in so many different ways. I have been sent to you from my father in heaven. I came from heaven. He says, listen, I am God. He's already said this. He's already talked about himself as the son of God. He's already talked about God as his father. He's saying, I'm God. I am God. Just like my father, yet I am also flesh and blood, just like you. See, flesh and blood is an expression for being human. He is fully human, just like the people he's talking to. But he's also the son of God. Not only has he been sent down to earth, he's also been sent with a purpose, with a mission, with a calling. And that calling is what? To give up his life. Think about it. I've been sent to you. I'm God in the flesh. And I've been sent to you to give up my life my flesh and blood, so that you can live, really live, live forever. And yet over and over again, they refuse to hear that. 
And so he finds different ways of pointing this out. Why won't you listen to the truth about who I am and where I've come from and why I'm here? He says, all you have to do, and he said this, I don't know how many times already in this gospel, we're only in chapter six, all you have to do is believe, believe me, believe in me, believe my father and what he says about me, believe. That's all you have to do and you'll live forever. Do you hear me? Why do you refuse to see these heavenly things that are now here? I've come down out of heaven. I'm here. I'm right in front of your eyes. And all you have to do is believe in me as God's son who's come to earth as the lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, to give himself as a sacrifice for them and for all people. Why do you refuse to see? And you look at this, you understand this is maddening. Think about it. From, from an from an objective point of view, from obviously God's point of view and Jesus's point of view, from the point of view of anybody who has spiritual eyes to see, anybody who just takes and believes what Jesus is saying on faith, their response, their refusal, their, their, their absolute unwillingness to see the heavenly things that are right in front of them is absolutely maddening. I'd like you to turn now to John chapter 5, verse 37. John chapter 5, verse 37. Now, Jesus is talking to a different audience in chapter 5 than the audience he's now teaching, talking to here in chapter 6. In in chapter 5, he's talking about, he's talking to the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. Okay. In chapter 6, he's talking to people in Galilee. By the time we get to where we are today, he is now in the, the, the synagogue at Capernaum. All right. So if you would, if you would, devout Jews, serious Jews. And actually, he's the rabbi of the day. He is actually teaching in the synagogue. That was a dangerous place for him to be. Several times when he's teaching at the end of it, people wanted his throat. People at one point they wanted to stone him. But that's that's the context here. He's teaching Jews you know, devout Jews from Galilee, in particular Capernaum. So let's let's now look, though, at chapter 5, where he was teaching the the, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. John chapter 5, verse 37. And the Father who sent me, he has testified of me. This part of chapter 5, remember, is, 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 is all about the presentation of different witnesses to who Jesus is as the Son of God. The Father who sent me, he has also testified of me. But here's the problem. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. At any time, including now, even though God is in the flesh, in the person of Christ. He would say that I and the Father are one. He said he will say in chapter 14, I believe, when he's talking to Thomas, he's saying he was seeing me, has seen the Father, yet his audience has never seen him or heard his voice, think about it, at any time. That's that's an indication not only of the physical. See, we can, they probably looked at that as the physical, right, as the natural, literally hearing a voice from heaven. But with spiritual eyes, you can see how damning this is, that they've never listened and really heard the voice of the Lord in the word of God. And he makes this clear in verse 38. Here's the problem. This is the same problem that the Jews in Capernaum have. What is it? 
This explains, by the way, why they can't see the heavenly things. While they always fixate on the earthly, worldly, fleshly interpretation of whatever he's saying, why you do not have his word abiding in you. Why, why don't they have the word abiding in them? For you do not believe him whom he sent. If you don't believe Jesus Christ, whom God sent, you will not have his word abiding in you. The, in, in our time, in the church age, believing Jesus, whom God sent, now means believing the testimony of the word of God in written form. He's saying, if you don't believe what it's telling you about Jesus, you won't have any of his word abiding in you. And this is the problem. If you don't have God's word abiding in you, then you can't see the heavenly things. You can't see the things above. And that's the problem. Now, in this chapter that we're back in now, in chapter six, what he's doing when he talks about his flesh and his blood, and he's already done this, by the way, he's using figurative language. He's using a figure of speech, right? He's not saying literally, I want you to eat the flesh on my bones. He's not literally saying, I want you, I want you to drink this physical blood that's in my veins, right? It's a figure of speech. We've already seen this before. We've already seen, for example, with the woman at the well, he's talking about living water, but he's not talking about the water in the well. He's talking about a spiritual reality. He's actually talking about the spirit who will be given, as well as the life that will never end. But, but see, just like the woman misinterpreted, and just like in chapter 6 already, we've seen the disciples misinterpreted him when he talked about the food. Here, he, he is sure, even though he's using figurative language, he knows full well that 